While you're turning to Romans chapter uh, 14, uh, you know, this, this week, I just want to preface this week's message and, and say it's kind of similar to last week's in that it's going to maybe, maybe make some of you mad. Uh, maybe it's going to give some of you uh, a tremendous amount of freedom. Maybe it's going to cause you to maybe look at some things a little bit differently than you're used to looking at them. But Jesus said, the truth will set you free. But sometimes it also challenges us. Amen. Sometimes it causes us to think differently than what we want to think. Sometimes it makes us feel really uncomfortable, maybe even a little upset. And so by the way of introduction, here's what I want to do. Uh, I have in my hand uh, an earring. Uh, I had Stacy bring this to me this morning because I wanted to, to share it. Uh, and, uh, I don't think that's a, is that a real diamond? I don't, I don't buy you real ones. That, that, is that cubic zirconium? Yeah, I'm not sure. If we can get the light to shine on that in the right way, maybe we can fool some people. But here's what I, I was thinking, all right. What would y'all think if I just took this and, and, and just got my ear pierced and put it right there? How would y'all feel about that, right? Because I've been thinking about getting one get the church's opinion before I do this. How do y'all feel about that, you know? Uh, I, I, here's the deal. I know a lot of us in this room today probably have differing opinions about whether a guy should have a pierced ear or not. So let's just, just for fun, for fun, let me see your hand. If you think it's okay, that, not me personally, but if it's okay for a guy to get his ear pierced, right? Just raise your hand, all right? You're not on film today, so we're not, we're not online, so don't worry about it. Okay, all right, very good, that's good, okay, good. Um, that's, that's, that's quite a few, um, that's good. Uh, how many of you um, don't think a guy ought to get his ear pierced? Raise your hand. Okay, very good. Um, both groups are Christians. Hmm. How do we land in the right spot when... Somebody thinks there's a lot that says okay, and then there's some that don't. Um, let's try another one. Uh, how about this? <clears throat> I got some cigarettes here. These are, these are camels. These are the real deal here. Uh, <clears throat> these, these aren't mine. Uh, they're Kindles. Uh, <laughs> I borrowed them from him. No. Uh, how many of you think it's wrong for a Christian to smoke cigarettes? Go ahead, just raise your hand. Okay, all right, good, good. How many of you say, well, you know what, it's really not all that big a deal if a Christian smokes a cigarette. Are you brave enough and willing enough to raise your hand? How many of you think that it's okay to, for a Christian to smoke a cigarette? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to smoke because, um, you know, I think if I lit up a cigarette, some of you would probably be offended uh, by that, so I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And to me, it's not a not that important to offend somebody over that. Here's a cap. All right. Here's a ball cap. How many of you think it's wrong for a guy to wear a ball cap into the church service? I'm not going <laughs> to. I just want to see. <laughs> okay. All right. How many of you? It's not all that big a deal to, to for a guy to wear a cap into. Okay. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, what does the Bible say about these things? Okay? What does the Bible say about a guy getting his ears pierced? 
What does the Bible say about a guy who smokes a cigarette? What's a guy, the Bible say about a guy who wears a ball cap into uh, the service? Um, Caleb, you're taking a lot of notes there, doing a highlight there, and you got your, you're got your Bible opened up there. Can you do me a favor, and can you look in the concordance for me of your Bible and look up cigarettes in the Bible? Yeah. Okay. All right. Would, uh, if that's not there, look up earrings or ball caps. Okay, see what you can find. Okay, and, and, and here's the thing, I get it. You know, 1 Corinthians 11 says, uh, you know, about something about a man um, not covering his head when he prays or prophesies, right? And, and what that's talking about really, it's not talking about this head, it's talking about the head being Jesus Christ. But anyway, uh, to me, wearing a cap isn't all that big of a deal, but to some of you, it, it's a really, you know, it's a really big deal. But here's the deal. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to respect the right of those of you that think wearing a cap in church is wrong. And I'm going to respect those of you who think there's no big deal. I'm going to respect the right of those of you who think smoking a cigarette is wrong. And I'm going to respect the right of those of you who think it's really no big deal. I'm going to respect the right of those of you um, who think it's okay for a guy to get his ear pierced. And, and, and I'm going to respect the right of those of you who think it's, you know, you shouldn't do that. Here's the deal. The Bible doesn't really speak to these things that I've talked about here. I had a guy come up to me one time and, and tell me that he thought that it was a shame that my dad smoked. He said, your dad's such a good guy. And, and I know he goes to church, but he goes, it's just such a shame that he smokes, right? Now, understand, the guy that was saying this was a pretty good-sized fella. Uh, let, let's just say he knew where the buffet was, okay? And, and he was using the argument that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should take care of our bodies, and yet he stood there telling me what a shame it was that my dad smoked. And what I wanted to say, but Jesus wouldn't let me, was, okay, the body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you building a megachurch? What's going on there? You know, I wanted to say that, but Jesus wouldn't let me. Have I got your attention yet? Here's the deal. This is tough because we're in Romans 14 and there's some issues here that I think some of us as Christians, we take a hard line and say, no, we can't do this. And then there's some other things that I think that sometimes we get pretty lax on. And so what does the Bible say about all of these, these things? Okay. How do we deal with these things that, that are difficult for us? So let's begin Romans 14. Paul has just said at the end of, wake, uh, of 13, he says, wake up. All right. He's telling us, wake up. And then in Romans 14, verse 1, he says, accept. Now, that's a very important word. Before we go any further, he says, accept. You might want to underline that. Caleb, you got your highlighter. Uh, highlight that word, accept. Oh, you've already, you've already moved on to something else. I'm not holding your attention. You, it looked like you were in the maps there. You weren't paying attention to me. It, now, accept other believers who are weak in the faith. Accept them. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. The NIV puts it this way, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on. And here's the key, in disputable matters. And we just looked a few minutes ago at disputable matters. 
Apparently there's a disputable matter going on at the church at Rome. And Paul says, listen, we got to talk about this. There's some things you guys need to understand. And I'm sure that there were some of the Jews in the church at Rome who were thinking that, that people need to keep all of the dietary laws. And the Gentiles in the church didn't think it was really all that necessary. Now, which one was right? Which one was wrong? And they were making it a test of fellowship over things that the Bible didn't really even speak into. And I'm sure that the, the, the Jews were do, keeping these dietary laws. I'm sure the Gentiles were doing things that were driving the Jews nuts. And here's what Paul says, verse 2. He says, for instance, one person believes that it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will, only, or will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. And then here's... Here's the, I love the way Paul says this. I love the way the New Living Translation translates this. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. And he goes on. He gives another example. He says, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than the other. While others think every day is alike, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. And then he goes on to tell us why. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves if we live it's to honor the Lord and if we die it's to honor the Lord so whether we live or die we belong to the Lord Christ died and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord both of the living and of the dead so why do you condemn another believer why do you look down on another believer remember we will all stand before the judgment seat of God now, as we talk about this passage of Scripture, as I've already alluded to, some of you are going to, this is going to be eye-opening for you. This might even be liberating for you. Others of you are probably sitting out there already going, I don't know about that. You know, that's going to be the reaction. It's going to be interesting to see where each of you land uh, at this. But anyway, here's the first thing that I think we need to understand. There's three types of conduct. Okay, there's three types. The first is this, right conduct. The second is wrong conduct conduct right there is right and wrong don't ever miss this the bible clearly states the rights and the wrongs there are moral absolutes according to scripture there are some things that are right there are some things that are wrong there are some people who say well you can't know right from wrong everything is just kind of a gray area no there is a wrong there is a right god has clearly put it in his word Paul put it this way one time. He said, wake up, put on the armor of light. There's some behavior you ought not to involve yourself in. And then he goes on to list some things. He says orgies and drunkenness and selfishness and dissension, sexual immorality. Those things, he said, are wrong for you and me to do. Those are moral absolutes that God says you shouldn't participate in. There are certain things that we cannot sugarcoat. There are certain things we can't get around that God says is right and wrong wrong according to the Bible it's wrong it's always wrong 
to commit adultery. Homosexual behavior is always wrong. Murder is always wrong. It's always wrong to steal. See, there's some things you can't get around. God has clearly said it. In the Bible, there are some things that are right. It's always right to be faithful to your mate. It's always right to be honest. It's always right to be loving. It's always right to honor and to respect your parents. See, right and wrong. The Bible spells those things out. But there are a few things that we face in life that do not fall neatly into these categories, right? There are some things that we are faced with some areas of conduct that the Bible just doesn't out and out address, right? So there's kind of a, a third type of behavior, if you will, that we got to look at this morning. And Paul is saying there are those issues that are a matter of personal conviction. Some Christians say, hey, this is wrong. I can't do it. But some Christians say, there's nothing wrong with it. I can do it. Some Christians say, I can't put an earring in my ear. Some Christian guys say, hey, no big deal. I can put an earring in my ear. Not a big deal. And this is a disagreement that happens among Christians, and it's a matter of personal conviction because the Bible doesn't clearly deal with this issue. Paul gives a couple of examples here in this text. Number one, he talks about what to eat or drink. In the church at Rome, there were some people that came into the church of Rome that came out of idol worship. They were worshiping pagans, and so this is a whole new thing for them, right? And so what they were doing is they would take the finest of all the cattle that they had sacrificed to these pagan gods, and then they would take a little bit of that meat from the cattle and sacrifice it to the pagan gods. And then they would take what was left over. Really good meat. And then they would sell it for the public to buy. And so people would buy this meat. And they would eat it up. But there were some Christians in the church at Rome. Who said no you, you can't do that. You can't eat that meat. And a lot of them. The reason they were saying it. Is because a lot of them were Jews. Before they had become Christians. And they would say things like, well, you don't know how that meat was killed. You know, uh, we don't know if that meat is kosher or not. It has to be killed a certain way for it to be acceptable for us to eat. And so the best thing to do, they said, just don't eat the meat. But then there were some Christians in the church who were saying, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. Those idols aren't real anyway, and that's good beef. It's pretty silly to let it go to waste. It's cheap, and it's good. And so it's no big deal. What's the issue? And so they disagreed over it, and it was causing a big deal in the church. I like for things to be nice and neat and tidy. Not my office or my house. You know, my house. Stacy does the house, and that's nice and neat and tidy. But my office and me personally, those things not nice and neat and tidy. But these things, these things that God said, this is right, this is wrong. I like those well-defined, nice, neat, tidy things, right? But, but. Um, it's not always that way, and, and, and what was going on in the church here, they're going back and forth, and, and um, you know, I would have preferred if God would have just come right out and said, you know what, don't eat meat, ever. That would have settled it. 
But he said, no, there's some Christians who, have, who, who you know, it's, it's not a big deal. And there's some Christians who are going to struggle with it, and some are not. It's a matter of personal conviction. In fact, ne- next issue that he talks about here, you know, he talks about the, your diet, and he talks about drink and all that. Uh, certain day of the week, they're arguing over what, you know, what's the best day of the week? You know, one day is more sacred than the other. And some of, again, some of these Christians had come out of Judaism, and they were still keeping Saturday, observing the Sabbath, and worshiping on Sunday, and when these new Gentile Christians came into the church, they said, hey, listen, guys, you want to be a Christian? you got to observe the Sabbath regulations as well, and you can't walk more than a half mile, and you can't work, and you can't cook food, and you can't do all of these certain things, and some Christians in the church say, no, 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 you don't have to do that anymore. It's a, there's not one day any more important than the other, right? And so, those were some of the issues the Bible didn't address directly in the church. And Paul said, these things are a matter of conviction. And that leads me to another thing there that I want to bring up. Uh, bring up and that, that is to really just kind of bring us up to date on what does that mean for us today. In other words, what are some things that we get hung up on? What are some things that are taboo in the church or not taboo I've already alluded to some of them. Some Christians say it's right. Some Christians say it's wrong. Let me give you a few more. These are some things that I have had people say to me. I have heard people say or have said to me down through the years. A list of things through the years that aren't addressed in the Bible. That Christians have taken a hard stance on. And they just flat out say it's wrong to do this. And in doing so have really hurt the chances of someone even coming to know the Lord. I already told you the issue of the guy telling me it's a shame my dad smoked. Because smoking's a sin, you shouldn't do it. You know, um, Christians shouldn't dance. I've seen some of you at wedding receptions. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> just being real now, folks. It's getting real. Christians shouldn't listen to secular music. Christians shouldn't shop on Sunday. These are things that, that people have said. You know, again, let's go through the concordance and see, you know, let, let me know when you find one of these. Okay, all right. Chris, and, and, and I grew up in a church that taught this. Christians shouldn't participate in what they called mixed bathing, and that is guys and gals swimming together, right? And so at the, at the church camp, in the church that I grew up in, um, they would put tarps over the fences of the swimming pool at church camp, and the guys would swim at one time, and the girls would swim at another time. That's not a bad idea, I'm just going to say. But uh, anyway, it's not clearly in Scripture, but, um, uh, you know, shouldn't do that. Christians shouldn't gamble. I don't think it's a great idea, but that's, uh, you can't, point to a scripture and say not to do that. There was a song my mom sang with the New Creations back in the 70s. That was a group that my a band that mom was in. You ever hear the song This Train, This Train is Bound for Glory? You ever heard that song? I think Woody Guthrie wrote it, I think. And one of the one of the the some of the lines in it basically the song was this, all right? Uh this train, in, in other words, this train that's going to heaven, it's bound for glory. It doesn't carry any jokers, smokers, 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 gamblers, ramblers, all these things that, that, that it was saying that you can't get to heaven if you do that, right? I'm thankful that Woody Guthrie was not Holy Spirit inspired because that's not at all 
consistent with Scripture, you know, or at least claiming to be Holy Spirit inspired. Christians shouldn't work on Sunday. You ever heard that? If that's the case, I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, I've been doing it for about 30 years now, you know. Christians should not shop on Sunday, play sports or watch sports on, on Sunday. I've heard some people say that it's a sin for a Christian woman to cut her hair or wear pants or wear makeup. Wayne Smith said but for some women it's probably a sin for them not to wear makeup. <laughs> I didn't say it, Wayne Smith said it and he's dead so you can, you can get on to him. He said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. That's what he said. I don't know. You do with that what you want. See, all of these are different kinds of taboos that I think we get hung up on and we make them these hardline things that really they're just not, you know, not that big a deal. And so what do we do with that? How do we conduct ourselves? Right? When, when, when we have these disagreements, well, here's some questions I think you can ask yourself. Here, here's the deal. First question is this. Is this prohibited in the Bible? If it's prohibited in the Bible, that settles it. It's over. End of discussion. It's clear. Okay? Question number two, is this something that I can ask God to bless? Can I ask God to bless this behavior? If you know that you're doing something that it seems very hypocritical or even kind of just out and out crazy, say, God, bless, can, bless this, God, and, and you just hear yourselves asking him to bless it, and you know it's ridiculous, it's probably not a good idea. Verse 6 deals with this. Even the one who eats meat can say, thank you, Lord, that I don't eat meat. But the one who does eat meat, he says, thank you, Lord, that I am eating this meat. Can you ask God to bless it? Right? That's the thing. The third guideline to use is this, whether it's right or wrong or not. Are you okay doing what you're thinking about doing or what you've been doing? Are you okay doing this around Jesus? Would you be found doing this when Jesus comes back and feel good about it? Or as a youth minister of mine used to say, and maybe you've heard this before, you need to live your life as if Jesus is riding around in the car with you. Would you do it in front of him? And, and I think these questions are good to help us kind of uh, form a basis, right? Because here's the deal. Here's the main thing. According to the Bible, there are some things that are right, there are some things that are wrong, and there are some things that are a matter of personal conviction. I get people who ask me all the time, I wasn't planning to bring this up, but while I've, I'm, I'm already in now, I might as well bring it up. Is it okay to drink? Can a Christian drink alcohol? I went there. I wasn't planning on it. I, I'll just stand up here and tell you, I've, I've never had to drink alcohol in my life. I'm not going to, unless somebody slips something in that I'm not aware of. I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's, for me, it's my personal conviction. But I don't, I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says, thou shalt not drink. What I see is thou shalt not be drunk. I think you have to be really, really careful. I don't think it's a great idea, but I'm not going to condemn someone who does it, and I'm not going to use it as a test of fellowship, because there are some things that are right. There are some things that are wrong. There are some things that are a matter of personal 
conviction, right? I will say this, one final thing about alcohol. I've, I've never really seen anything good come out of it. <laughs> but that's between you and the Lord, you know. Um, I'll just leave it there. I'm done because I'm starting to. There's two kinds of Christians. First one is this. So there's three types of conduct. There's two kinds of Christians. One is the weak and legalistic Christian. Three times in this passage of Scripture, he speaks about a weak Christian. Look at verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak. Verse 2. Another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. See, a, a weak Christian is someone who is still living under legalism, right? He thinks you just got to do all the right things, dot all the I's, cross all the T's. And here's a, here's a good test. If you're trying to figure out whether you're legalistic or not, or if someone is legalistic, a legalistic person, this is probably the best definition I've ever heard, is someone whose list of rights and wrongs is longer than God's list of rights and wrongs. Because God has clearly stated in his word what's right and what's wrong, but a legalist is somebody who has added to that list, and they've added to that list based on the traditions of man, not the commands of God. This is what the Jews were doing in the Old Testament. They heard the word of God, and then they build a fence around it, and they, you can't cross our fence. And then they build another fence around it. You can't cross that one or this one. You know, you can't cross two fences. Then to make sure you don't uh, cross these two, you won't cross God's, they added a bunch of traditions of men, and then that's why Jesus said in Mark 7, you have made the word of God to no effect because of your traditions. Then you've got to ask yourself, do I believe what I believe about certain things because of tradition or because of the Word of God? Here's a second characteristic of a weak Christian who lives under legalism. They often condemn those who don't follow their list. Their list is longer than God's, and they condemn those who don't follow their list. You say, you know, I've got my list. If you don't follow my list, you're not right with God, and I don't even want to hang out with you. A legalist almost thinks like, you know, if you're not really miserable, then you're not really a good Christian. <laughs> right? I think a lot of Christians have practiced what we would call a Christian holy look. You know? kind of land somewhere in between indigestion and a migraine. You know, I kind of picture, <laughs> I kind of picture the church lady on Saturday night, lot. not that I watch Saturday, I've only heard about it, seen pictures. <laughs> Anybody after the service want to help me with my resume, you just, you just see me, I take your head, right? Um. They, they, they feel like they have to act a certain way, feel like they have to look a certain way, but the strong Christian, the free Christian, the liberated Christian, right? They're strong in the word, they're strong in their faith, they're strong in Christ, and they're set free from man's list. They still adhere to God's lists, but they're free from the lists that we have instituted as men, Right? A strong Christian is very careful not to offend 
a weaker Christian, and I hope, you know, I've been kind of silly here this morning a couple times, and I, I sure hope I haven't offended anyone. That is not my idea. I try not to do things to offend someone who might be a little weaker, you know. And if it's okay for you to do, you know, away from a weaker Christian, that's that's between you and Jesus, but be very careful not to do something to cause a weaker brother or sister to fall. And I'm going to wrap up with this. There's right, there's wrong, there's personal conviction, there's weak Christians, there's strong Christian. So there's three, you know, there, there's three types of conduct. There's, you know, there's, there's a couple of types of Christians, but there's really only one type of attitude that we should have. And that's acceptance. Accept one another. Don't just tolerate them. Embrace them. Accept them. Even those who disagree with you about matters of personal conviction. One of the sayings that came out of the restoration movement, which our church was founded upon. In the essentials, there must be unity. In other words, those things that are right, those things that are wrong... We cannot waver. We have to be unified. In the non-essentials, there must be liberty. So those matters of opinion, those matters of personal conviction, we have to be free to have those. And the bottom line is this, but in all things, even if we don't agree, there must be charity or there must be love. And we have this type of attitude because Jesus loved us first in the condition that each of us were in in our sin. We were all so far from him. And he saw that. 2,000 years ago, he saw that. He had the ability to look into the future and he said, even if you don't get it all right, even if you do miss some things from time to time, even if you blatantly say, I don't Love you, God. I'm going to die for you. And hopefully one day you'll figure it all out and you will accept Jesus and you'll repent of your sins and you'll be baptized into Him and you'll start living for Him. But the bottom line is this. God loves everyone, even people that are so far away from Him. And He says, you all need to do the same thing. Whether you agree with them or not, you need to love them. Today we're going to offer a song of decision and maybe you're here today and, and uh, you've never made that decision to follow Christ. You've never made that decision to repent of the sin that's in your life. In other words, those things that are wrong that God clearly states. Maybe you've never been baptized into Him. We'd love, we'd love for today to be that day for you to make that decision to surrender your life to Christ. Or maybe you'd like to talk to someone after the service. We'd love to talk to you uh, about that. Or you want to reach out during the week. You'd like to meet with Kendall or me or Spencer or Lauren. We'd love to talk to you about what you can do to 
Give your life to Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Um, again, a room this size. I know, I know a lot of you. I know most of you. Most of you have already made that decision. But probably most of us have struggled more with some of the things I talked about earlier. And like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do. Um, would you just spend a little bit of time talking to the Lord, asking Him for forgiveness for some of our wrong attitudes sometimes? Would you spend a little time talking to him, saying, Lord, help me to be more forgiving. Help me to be more loving, even if I don't agree with someone in a matter of uh, personal conviction. Would you just give me more grace, Lord? Let's pray together.